Welcome to the Open Podcast with Keith and Michaela. Here we are. We think we're streaming live on Facebook, but who knows? That's what we're trying to do. (sighs) Being alive, dude. WTF. I feel like we have like 17 different topics that we could open up today and go into you went on retreat then i went on retreat Mm -hmm. then you and i went on retreat and other way around but yeah and then you're just bitch forever about the boulder community (laughs) people Mm -hmm. have triggered people get by ohms umrapani stuff that we do and our polarity stuff updates in the world of non-monogamy yeah Mm -hmm. (sighs) what are you what are you feeling right now? Like, what did you, what did you wake up today? So, on your heart, what's on, on top for you? I woke up like a cat after it takes a shit in a litter box. Oh. I'm just like zoomies. Uh-huh. You know, it's stretching out, stretching. It's like it's happy. alive again. Yeah. It's like been reborn, like a snake shedding its skin. Mm-hmm. And um, I just felt a bunch of energy. And recently, I've been feeling like coming back from retreat like the world is i'm like holding the world off like Mm -hmm. there's like thousands of messages i need to reply to and questions and clients and i'm just kind of like ah and then i'm like when do i have time to fucking shave i noticed yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're in boulder so no one actually cares except me um but yeah Yeah. just feeling like the go 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 consistency and um yeah, we just finished our poly course last night yeah. online that we were teaching, which was a four-week course on ethical non-monogamy that uh, I would say went swimmingly. Right. What are your thoughts on it? I, I really enjoyed it. It felt like just sharing our our experience over the last decade of monogamy, non-monogamy, trials and tribulations, working with agreements, boundaries, understanding secure attachment. And I think what was so interesting about the course is if, like – it, you know, it's called poly and uh, you know it's where people uh, kind of either already in that space and trying to do better at it or people maybe just dipping their toes in uh, but the vast majority of what we talked about I think applies to all relationships like even outside of romantic relationships and I don't think I quite realized that until we started teaching the course which was like oh right. you have to have well that's why I posted yeah, like if you're yeah. monogamous if yeah. you're non-monogamous you can come you just have to like all these all these like fundamentals and basics are so important and pretty much any and people want a niche like i'm not interested in going to a course that's like couples are welcome singles are welcome any kind of relation i I like people like something specified to them and if i was someone who was incredibly monogamous and had no interest in polyamory i wouldn't have been interested in taking the course like if you go back and watch the course we talk way too much about polyamory for that to be incredibly enticing for them um but just so you all know we had week one which was the bond Mm -hmm. attachment theory week two was the riverbed which is boundaries and agreements week three is the burn which is jealousy and compersion and week four was the accordion the art of opening and closing your relationship so we were teaching just like skills of what it's like to be in an ethically non-monogamous relationship and whatever that means to you like how how do you close your relationship once you've opened it is that okay is that allowed is there space for that and we spoke a lot about learning how to attune and listen to like the we between us and that the we that's here in relationship with any two three five seven people that occurs mm-hmm. you know there's the we we the me and Dan, we, the you and Sarveen, we, the Sarveen and Dan, we, the me and Sarveen, the Dan and you. It's like, there's always a we happening. And then there's the collective we. And yeah, we got to do a little demo, which was funny. Yeah. The the demo was, was interesting. I I think my story is it was received really well by, by the audience in which like we role-played being in a romantic partnership. And uh, I was coming to you after being in monogamy for several years and seeking to open the relationship. Uh, it was really interesting. Like I, I don't, we didn't. I don't think we really debriefed after. Like even just feeling, even though it was a total demo and there was no real content in it, I could feel the things in my system like connecting back to all the times that I've had a similar conversation or something in that area of just like 
this mix of relief and that I'm sharing my desire for what I want. And then this like massive fear that I'm about to like fuck up my relationship or lose the person I care about or hurt them and, or do it wrong. And Which so then in turn, when you don't do, ends yeah. up you suppressing your desire yeah. and your life force. Yeah. And then you end up dying slowly anyway. Yeah. yeah. And what we, what we modeled was really like, you know, we like leaned into our authentic relating skills deeply in the sense of like how, how I expressed in a very owned as much of an owned way as possible and how Michaela like fully received it and didn't go into like red alert zone. And that well, was I all, obviously I just shared. Did. I was yeah. going into that yeah, instead of like, and, and the fact that it was not real content was gave us a chance to actually do it. I think um, it was real for yeah, me. Yeah. It was real for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was play yeah. content. Yeah. But so, yeah, it was less emotionally charged yeah. than something that is an actual relationship you're in. Yeah. And we were talking about, we may, we may publish that later in a future podcast because I think it, it is really informative for people to listen to. Totally. Let yeah. us know if you guys want that. Yeah. Um, I just need to tell everyone that there's this brand called LMNT <laughs> and I'm really annoyed that they don't sell their electrolyte powders in bulk. They sell them in tiny little packets. Um, but man, they have this packet called chocolate salt and Ali Katz got me hooked on it. And it's like, in addiction every morning i'm like i need you make chocolate salt um and it's basically chocolate yeah. electrolytes and i mix it with almond milk and lion's mane and other mushroom things and then he's had my classic uh cappuccino mm. so yeah so i and i just wanted to, uh, to ask you a little bit about coming back from your last retreat like there was kind of a marked change in your energy how much, field how much do you tell them that what we were doing on retreat i feel well, totally okay, valuable great. to share that we won't disclose yeah. the location yeah yeah we travel far and wide to do psychedelics <laughs> um yeah. we went on a boga retreat together mm-hmm. that i was uh assisting at and then i got strep throat and left mm-hmm. and Keith went through his own journey and then I the week after went on a Bufo retreat and in the Bufo retreat we're also taking a boga and being in retreat and in medicine spaces like my experience is that there will be this voice inside of me what some people call their truth or their soul or something And it slowly starts getting the volume turned up louder and louder and louder. And I like can't not listen to it, but I don't want to because I don't want what it's saying to be true. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, you know, you go in and, and the voice is like, you need to leave your relationship. And you're like, no, but can I make it work? How can I do? And for me, like I go in and it says all these things and I'm just like, shut up no it can't be true I'm just being like having OCD thoughts and you know and then um yeah it's like fucking terrible because what I am and how my life is isn't working and the medicine creates a space in which the communication Mm -hmm. can come through more fully even just with myself and yeah that's like fucking worst nightmare to me it's like you Mm -hmm. have to face all the pieces that aren't in alignment with you and 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 do something about them or not or not and 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 slowly embrace that that you're allowing yourself to feel suffocated and slowly dying so one thing that i hold lightly is that what's coming through isn't necessarily truth I still get to choose what to do with it like Keith said and so I will like listen during the medicine retreat and like write Mm -hmm. things down but I'm not necessarily you know gonna just go do it and usually there's an arc usually there's some kind of like blow up of lack of alignment or things that aren't working for me and then and then it's coming into a like integration into how I can weave that thread of truth into the fabric of my already existing reality without trying to take this thread and be like, I'm just going to build a new blanket. 
um, there's, there's already a life, there's people, there's characters in the play. I can't just be like, we're doing Romeo and Juliet, but now we're doing Book of Mormon. You know, it's like, just like, you know, I'm like, how can I weave in Book of Mormon meets Romeo and Juliet? And yeah. And so I, there is this overwhelming like urge to, as soon as I hear these voices to like do it right now and just like blow everything up in my life and be like, you know, you hear these stories of people go down to ayahuasca and then they come back and they just like leave their job with no plans of what to do next, et cetera. That's not good or bad. Um, I just think it's not always supportive for everybody's life. And they like leave their job because it wasn't making them happy. And then they're kind of like, oh, now what? Uh, well, yeah. And I, I've actually, I've been in that situation a few times in my, my early ceremonies where I've made maybe drastic like relational changes. And what I've what I've likened that to is like something my Zen teacher talks about how there's like, there's like your thinking mind and then there's intuition. And then there's like a deep kind of like Zazen mind, he calls it, which is more the real like pure mind and intuition, even though people, the way he talks about it, I trust is like, it feels like it is coming down from somewhere in the deeps. It's still a form of, of like kind of everyday thinking mind. That's just like a little bit more suppressed. And so a lot of times, in hindsight now, some of those experiences and those journeys were like, you get this flash of intuition of like, oh, I should be with this person or I should move to Thailand and quit this job. It, it, it was still like a kind of distorted thought form in a way and yeah. not like, and so it takes a lot of work to really differentiate what are like really clear, profound messages maybe coming from the medicine itself, coming to you potentially from, from the outside, so to speak, um, versus just your own um, intuition that's just been had a, a spot spotlight shown on it through the medicine mm-hmm. um, and so that's why I think like this you know most of the like the retreats we did there's a, a huge part that's integration right like don't don't like change your change your life a day after the retreat give it some time because I was also going and like that. write it down write like it down. write down what's yeah. coming write down some of the the bricks you're being given to build your new life if you don't you might forget about it and go back into the life that's making you sick in the first place that the medicine shows you you know like a lot of people go to medicine because they're unhappy with their life in some way and they feel sick or depressed or anxious or unable to work through some kind of addiction or whatever the thing is for them and unfortunately you go to the medicine and it's going to tell you exactly why you're sick and you can deny that if you want and then you can just go back to the life that's making you sick and there's nothing toxic or sick inherently about the life you're living it's about your relationship to it so the way you are relating to the thing is what's making you sick not the thing and it's so easy to go back and be do ayahuasca and be like oh my god my husband is just like toxic he doesn't know how to communicate da 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 it's like, no, the way you relate to your husband's lack of ability to meet you through communication makes you sick your own expectations and then how you relate to having an expectation and not having it met is what's making you sick. And so, and also sometimes you might be like clear that you're like, okay, it's time to end this relationship. And like, no one wants to fucking hear that in a medicine mm-hmm. journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. Cause so, so I, I did the, the bogus ceremony and, you know, just mentioning relationship, like I came out of it actually feeling a little bit of like guilt that I didn't have a lot of relational things come up. You know, I learned, I learned later that it's more of a dissociative. You shared this with me and like a boga has, it's a, it's an African roots where it's, it's origin is. So there's a tendency in those ceremonies to like go back, like go back backwards backwards in time through your ancestry to your childhood, you know, even up your lineage from, for, for, you know, many generations and things like that. Um, And like, and as it was described to me, what I'm noticing now is just, it really highlights some of like your patterning. So it's almost Mm -hmm. like the patterns that are like in your blind spot that you don't notice how you're interacting with the world and yourself, like suddenly just come like, you can't not see them. them. It's Um, very painful. Yeah. And my, you know, so mine was like, (laughs) I I had, you know, a hunch that I, I run a maskus pattern and I have a little bit of like resistance and like resistance is a theme for me of being a little bit of like, like no to life and situations and like sort of trying to control things so that I don't have to um, um, uh, so there's like fewer variables to potentially in, impact me and so I asked the medicine like hey can you show me you know show me some of this so I can potentially have the choice to shift it and oh boy did did 
Um, this is a question from me. I know Oboga is considered the grandfather. Do you still refer to Oboga as she, or would you say he? Oh, that was the one I was like. Most medicine planets, you always say she. So yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like the mother. Yeah. Um, I would say it is described to be a masculine energy, but Mm -hmm. people don't refer to it as he or she. It's almost like beyond gender. You know, and this is me saying this. They. Um. (laughs) Yeah, it goes by they actually. Okay. Um. No, but really, like, it. I've had an experience of engaging with the spirit and like, it's a him, but not a him, you know, it's yeah. kind of like when you engage with an extraterrestrial and you're like, what is their gender? Like, it's like, yeah, it was, like it was kind night, of night, feminine, yeah. but you know, so I would say like, people don't refer to it as him. They refer mm-hmm. to it as like the aboga. Yeah. Um, but I do experience it as a him energy yeah. carrying a lot of masculine gifts, especially around its level of confrontation and willingness and ease and engaging with conflict and willingness and ease and engaging with dis-ease and dissonant things yeah so the aboga (laughs) so i asked like to like kind of like go into this resistance and basically i you asked to go into the resistance they go into the resistance like show me more about it i know and so uh, those of you don't know aboga is essentially a 36 30 to 36 hour process of which you're um in in the process with with the medicine and mostly laying on a mattress um you lose a sense of of normal sense of time and space and these kind of things and and i had i was shown so much resistance i was in an incredible amount of like physical discomfort mental anguish um and it was like getting exactly what i asked for and what i what i really saw was how i um how i my life is not as fully alive and vibrant as it could be because I'm trying to often just trying to protect myself from like making decisions that I might second guess in the future. Um, I saw like that I, something that I have really strongly is that when I'm uncomfortable in a given situation, I blame myself for decisions I made in the past. And so what I do in the present moment is try As to like, if your current day, discomfort current day is because you fucked up. Exactly. Yesterday. So it's like a, a, and so what I then do in the present moment is control and resist things, control the flow of life. So that in the soon to come future, same thing doesn't happen, doesn't happen. Yeah. And what but... that essentially does is leave me in a bit of a stifled place, like a little bit of a like, whoa, hold on, slow down. Um, and so that was, and that was just extremely painful to, to see like in like full color and um and in my body it really was a very physical um experience for me um on the positive side there was a sense of a lot of that just moving like completely moving through me like that um the bow has a sense of uh what might have taken like years of personal development work was just like stabbed into my heart or like pulled out of my heart maybe is probably the better reference um, and people say like hours. you know oh my god a boga isn't it supposed to be like so intense and it's like yeah it's intense yeah. life is intense like where have you been didn't you get the email like <laughs> you know what I mean like right. would you rather suffer and draw it out over the next 30 40 50 years of your life or would you rather all face it all in 36 hours and the answer is if you face it all in 36 hours a lot of it's going to move like some yeah. people I don't know if people did in the ceremony but a lot of people in the past few ceremonies I've been a part of Describe it as like, oh my God, I feel like I just laid there and burned off my karma for like yeah. three lives. Yeah. Yeah. Like something I might also referencing my Zen practice again, my teacher would say like, you're, when you first learn to meditate and like meditate seriously, your first few years are just like reparenting yourself and like going through all those memory reels and thought forms that are just like trying to come out of you. And so I had an experience of that happening in a, in the aboga ceremony to the extent of like, I'm like, I felt like I just did my first five years of meditation in 36 hours. It's like all this stuff was just like, it was, it was overwhelming at some yeah. points. It was just like, Too was, much. I know someone like considered myself a good meditator who has a lot of control over his mind. And it was like, not tonight, not tonight, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so did you feel overwhelmed by your own mind at some points? It was a, I want to say it was like less overwhelmed, more like disappointed. There was a sense of like, like, wow, where is all of this content coming from? Like, wow, how could this possibly be? And what, and, and a, a huge takeaway for me of this was, um, I've always been someone who loves taking in a lot of input. 
it's like even in business school, you do this book called Strength Finders and you take a test and like, yeah. I can just take a lot of information and then distill. It's like one of my skills. But what the ceremony showed me is just like, wow, there's, it was like, imagine your room full of just like clutter everywhere. That's like, you mm-hmm. got, t- you know, all these extra things you don't need and shirts yeah. that wear and the bed's not made. And that was the sense I had. And so when I, a, a big impulse for me in the last like week since the ceremony is like simplification of my life being much more aware of like like everyone says I want to use less social media and Facebook and I'm like I, when I pick that thing up I'm like oh, like, yeah, like this is going to go in my brain for some 20 years in the future it might come out and at what time I don't want it to so I'm aware of that also just like in general kind of like simplifying my life and relationships and my living situation and you know having a life that's a little bit more around practice and slowness and stillness um, no. so that which feels very healthy to me and uh, and I've lived that life in the past. So like I, I, um, yeah. Anyway, so I feel myself moving, being much more aware of content and details and facts, and even like overhearing something in the distance. You know, when you hear like you're you're shopping and there's stuff on the radio or you know newscast in the distance or something like that. Um, my my mind was really like it was like an antenna where I was just like picking up every every channel all at once. Oh yeah. Like, Oh, so yeah um, I was raised Christian and in my Christian communities mm-hmm. and stuff a lot of parents would be rigid about controlling what kind of media their children consume and I didn't understand at the yeah. time why and my parents would say you know there was a lot of stuff like even Christian blogs my parents would read around like yeah don't take your kids to watch this Disney movie. There's brainwashing happening. And it's like, yeah, welcome yeah. to media. Yeah. Of course there's brainwashing happening. It's not specific to Disney or any other. It's just media itself. We are, inc- we're like little sponges and we're absorbing all of these different energies, opinions, ways we move, etc. And like, it's no shit that people who engage with a lot of like violent TV shows feel more violent, for example. Um, or love to like shoot people in games, have like pop off at anger issues, you know? And so I really do believe that the media we're consuming can influence how we choose to show up in our life in the real world, because we're being mirrored that that's how to show up in response to it. So even, you know, even this show called Succession, I've talked to you about this, right? Yeah, I've watched Succession. Uh I could not get through the first episode. I was like this, my body feels sick watching this nor do I want to be encouraged to show up this way. Like, why am I watching this? I want to watch a show that inspires me and actually have characters that I want to be and learn how to become. Not the characters I've like worked a really long time getting away from. Yeah, well, it's a exposure. One little piece here was funny about that show. What I saw about myself was I watched it was I would often go to it when I was already in like a low place. Like maybe I was having like a relational conflict with my partner or like a, you know, some issue with a friend. And then I would, I noticed that's when I would like turn to succession, which I saw as like the exact opposite of the kind of relating I want with friends and family, but it somehow like reified like, oh, this is how, this is how humans are. Like we're, oh, okay. we're mean and shitty to each other. And so, so like, I'm going to yeah, justify yeah. mine and my partner's behavior yeah. so, okay, because so, it's no, it normalizes what you're going through. That makes sense. Yeah. So I don't recommend succession yeah. actually. It was like okay. t- technically a good show from like whatever. The MBD standpoint. Yeah, exactly. But it like, it, it's kind of. The ugliness of human relationships yeah. again you probably don't want that content in your system and like you said sometimes the first couple hours of a boga you're just like yeah. literally watching tv shows in your head over and over of just like you're watching like scenes from episodes and you're like what what is going on like and yeah. it doesn't change it's like an actual videotape of the show um and a lot of times people ask uh the practitioner or server or teacher of the medicine what do i do Mm-hmm. my mind's racing what do I do and the answer is it's already being done yeah. your only job is to be in the awareness and the witnessing because what's going on is a mental purge yeah. and your mind literally throwing up everything that's in there and it's a lot like we have so many areas of our brain we don't even fucking use and so it's almost like you're throwing up and you look at your teacher and you're like what should I be doing and they're like just keep throwing at up this exact moment I was like I was like can you, I'm like, I was just like, give me a mantra or like something, like, like something. <laughs> I help. Help? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so help. like do some yoga technique. Like I need support. I can't do this. <clears throat> yeah. Keep going. Just keep going. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so more to come on that. People tell me I look a little bit different. Um, I do feel a little bit different. I'm definitely still in like the, the, I don't want to use the word shadow. I'm like, what's the, what's the term when there's like an eclipse and there's like a, there's a term for that. It doesn't feel like a shadow. It just feels like the echo you're, maybe. Of you're still like on the arc. The arc. Yeah. yeah it'll and, come back down. Uh, so like trying to make, allow my personality to make sense of a lot of the things that I, that I did experience in the, in the, in the ceremony. So, yeah. So, uh, wow. So that was, that was Thanks that week. Sharing. And then, yeah, we got to see you came back for one day and I got to see you did taught a class and then you left for the, the Bufo ceremony yeah um and that seemed to be because you, you were obviously sick for the aboga you missed most of it yeah but the the bufo ceremony when you came back seemed to have a big impact on on you and your system yeah i some background context for people listening is that i've been pretty chronically ill for the past like year i would say and just a lot of mystery symptoms and random things happening that are unexplainable and can't be figured out. And my teacher reflected to me what he thought was going on. And I was like, no, that can't be true. You know? And so he basically shared like, Hey, I think, I think some of your sickness is because of your relationship. And when I hear that, I immediately react and respond. And I'm like, does that mean we have to break up? Like, no, I don't know. It can't be true. It can't be true. I can't do that. And and it's funny that I just took him say, hey, I think you're sick because of your relationship and make that mean that the relationship's bad or toxic and that we need to break up. Da, da, da. And being in the medicine space, like I just, every time we stepped into the medicine space for ceremony, it's just like came through so strongly at how out of alignment I have been oh my god it's happening again how out of alignment I've been with myself and there's shame that comes up of like how have I let this happen again I've betrayed myself in so many relationships I've Mm -hmm. done things out of alignment in so many relationships why am I here again and it doesn't mean anything to me about my partner or or partners you know it's like how have I overridden my yes or my no at certain times and oftentimes doing it to avoid conflict. Oftentimes being like, oh, this is the juice is not worth the squeeze. I will just compromise. And I, my current experience and the experience I've had over years is that when you're actually in touch with your knowing and your truth and you're showing up with it in a solid way, people are way more receptive to it. And when you're unclear and you're like, well, I don't know if we should make this agreement, da, 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 is when people kind of like give them an inch, they'll take a mile, is when they'll keep like pulling from you. And I would say this happens completely subconsciously. I do the same thing. You know, if someone's like, if I, if I feel someone a little on, sh- on shaky ground, I'm like, all right, they seem like they could be enrolled in doing what I want them to. Yeah. But when someone shows up and is like fucking righteous love and is mm-hmm. just here being like, I'm here. This is what I'm available for. This is what I want. And that's that. There's a way that it's like not questionable, not challengeable. I would say many of us are not in touch with that level of truth though, because we're in dynamics where we want to be liked and we have codependent patterning, et cetera. And like, you know, to me, the idea that we're ever going to not is a lost cause. I'm like, just give up now. Like, you know, none of us are ever going to be like fully healed. Um, but it's about how do you want to show up today? How do you want to show up today? How do you want to show up today? And how do you need to show up differently to have the life that you want or claim to want? And oftentimes it requires you to be different and you don't want to be okay great you're going to keep creating the same thing it's kind of like you have like a bunch of pancake ingredients and you're like i really want brownies and it's like okay are you willing to give up the pancake ingredients or are you going to be an idiot and try to mix the pancake batter and just bitch about how bad you want brownies and how you wish these were brownies and how life never works out for you because it only gives you pancake batter and to me the two options are like just shut up and be grateful that you have pancakes I, I don't like that route because I'm like, it's hard to be grateful for something I don't actually want for me or be willing to give up the pancake batter and, you know, actually do some work to get yourself brownie ingredients 
And sometimes it doesn't seem possible. Sometimes it seems out of reach. Sometimes it seems like you'll never get there. And then like, you know, a couple of years into doing the work, you like look and you're, you're making brownies. And then you're like, oh my God, here I am. And then you're like watching yourself dream of waffles while you're making these brownies. And you're like, God damn it. Mm-hmm. It's happening again. I'm doing it. Like just the endless yeah. Yeah. chasing and endless wanting. Um, and I know in Buddhism, they speak a, a lot about like how much we should indulge or not our desire and how much it's just kind of an endless thing kind of like ocd the more we engage with it the larger it builds yeah yeah so close sorry yeah yeah and what you share i mean i'm gonna refer to a few things you shared with me before which were i think it was one thing of the the, this the bufo retreat that connected you with like uh, a life force and then an aliveness Mm -hmm. that you had it kind of and it it was like a contrast to like maybe what you've been experiencing in your life so there was a feeling of like a real clear sign of like oh this is how I can feel and I have felt and I potentially want to feel in my system and then coming back to you know the the momentum of the regular life that's been created and like and then questioning like hey what parts of me have are stifled and and even this thing around potentially like illness in the body I know this is a controversial topic but it's so obvious to me from my own experience with cancer and like history of working in yoga therapy and stuff it's like when energy is flowing freely through all our chakras like you don't get sick right it's when there's like a contraction and that was the the teaching in my school is like energy stuck in a chakra when it's stagnant and stagnancy leads to disease just like stagnant water you know breeds malaria and this kind of stuff um and so anyway, I was hearing a little bit of that and what you were saying of like, um, it's it's not blaming any people or circumstances in your life for why you've been having illness, but just knowing that there's some dam that the the like energy is not flowing through. And like, if you felt like really recommitted to being like, I mean, that's unacceptable to me. I want to make some yeah like adjustments. Yeah, I would say hearing what you shared, like reminds me how much Western medicine says or seems to preach that disease is an offensive force and i believe it's a defensive force yeah it's actually in response to not just something that just like appears and wants to kill you it's in a response to something to a stimuli that's already happening um and in this case for me thanks for bringing up the life force piece again so this bufo retreat was basically all oriented around connecting with life force energy which eros and sexual energy creative energy they all tie into it and there's a like purity and innocence to the nature of connecting with just life force itself um that is like not necessarily sexual in the context that we think when we hear the word sexual um you know we think of we like project all of our perverted things onto it instead of like the the actual potency of the transition. Yeah, it was just of, like going out in a cold rain and you're just yeah. like, ah, yeah. like that's a form of arrows. Yeah. yeah, totally. And so one thing that I realized is that being in a dark, depressed hole or state or not wanting to be alive, et cetera, like it is so hard when you're in that state to see what's possible for you or to even connect with what you want. Mm. Like it just like because because connecting with what you want would require you to be in touch with desire and being in touch with desire would require you to be in touch with life force and being in touch with life force would make sure as fuck that you're not depressed (laughs) so it's like you know you kind of fuck yourself where Mm. you're in this deep hole and you're just like i'm exhausted like for me what comes up is i start to feel just really overwhelmed by the world And even when I walk outside, like just so many stoplights and cars and people, I just feel like, oh my God, I just hate everything. Why? Too much stuff. Um, And I don't actually think that's a normal way to feel. I know people who have ADHD, um, autism, a variety of other things claim to feel this a lot. And that's, to me, it's an energetic thing. It's always an energetic thing. There's Zen monks that live in the middle of big cities and are chilling. Chilling. Bye, Ben. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, for me, like what comes up is realizing, oh, before I create a solution for my problem of feeling depressed or not knowing what to do with my life or down or overwhelmed, et cetera, I'm not going to create a solution. What's going to create a solution is getting in touch with life force. So how do I get in touch with life force? 
And to that's different for everybody, I would say. Like, what makes you feel fucking alive? Yeah. Do you need to go jump off a cliff? Like, do you need to go spend some time with animals? Do you need to go away for a weekend? Um, you know, there's a variety. You just need to get eight hours of sleep. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. Do you need to just eat healthy food? Maybe go to a fucking yoga class, you know? And that's why people say like, oh, I just like, you know, I haven't been doing yoga for a few weeks. And then I went and I remembered why I go because I just feel so clear headed afterwards. And it's like, yeah, you feel getting to feel alive. And different people have different things that make them feel alive but i would say if when we're in these dark lost states of consciousness the number one thing to shift us out of it is get in touch with something that makes you feel alive before you even try to fix being not depressed um or figure out your life you know for me i'm like oh my god what am i going to do with the rest of my life um is what comes up for me to try to fix it instead of like oh actually let me just do something that i know will make me feel like a little bit of joy (laughs) Like just that, like maybe coloring, you know, and when we get in touch with life force, I find everything becomes clear. Mm -hmm. It's like when all the shit just gets moved out of the way and swept out of the way and you're enjoying life and being in joy and all of a sudden these clarity come, these like little clarity pieces come in and epiphanies or whatever. And then you're just like clear. There's no questioning of it. There's no challenging. There's no doubt. It's just clear and you just know you have to do it um and that's something like the tldr is that this happened on my medicine retreat i had a bunch of different downloads come stream through and i still as the creator of my own reality get to choose which ones i go home with and in this case it made me realize how out of alignment i was in my relationship and how that contributed to how I was showing up in a shitty way with my partner, because I'm not actually a full fuck yes to the relationship because I'm saying yes or no to things that I'm not a yes or no to. Mm-hmm. And so then my partner's feeling like, oh, I don't feel her yes to the relationship. Does she not want to be with me? And it's not about that. It's about like, oh, what areas am I enduring in the relationship or lying to myself or not being fully transparent or not advocating for what I need mm-hmm. or want? And in this case, it was around making agreements that I wasn't fully on board with. And then guess what happens when you do that? You accidentally fucking break the agreement and you fuck up or you forget about it. And then you guys fight about it. And then it just feels like so draining. And then you have no life force or no energy to deal with fighting about this agreement that you broke. And you don't even have enough energy to validate to them that you broke it because you were out of alignment in making it. And so you just show up dismissive of like, well, yeah, sorry, I broke it, you know, whatever, because some part of you is actually like, no, I never wanted to agree to that in the first place. Yeah, that's it's it's, it's, it's we've been having some conversations on the side about this. It's like, is are your agreements um, actually created such that you can have a better relationship, like two people can be more alive together and individually, or are they created a bit more as a protective mechanism, like keep things safe and secure and controlled? Yeah. And it's not always obvious when you make the agreements, like, because I, I have some of those I've made, or I'm like, oh, yeah, this does seem to make sense in the moment. And then, you know, three months later, you kind of look back and you're like, oh, no, that that actually wasn't serving that. And I don't think it's actually making for a better relationship. Yeah. And can you keep yeah. your finger on the pulse the whole time to listen when that little hair shifts yeah. to be like, oh, something's got to give something's got to change and advocate for yourself. And like, because it was actually coming from like my core knowing my partner was pretty receptive to it yes there was impact but the receptivity and understanding was there and like his skeptical parts weren't as online because he could actually feel me transmitting from my heart of something I'm longing for and the relationship I actually want to have which is way more enrolling you know in our poly course we teach like getting in touch with your what and your why what is it you actually want and why do you want it? And your why is oftentimes incredibly enrolling to people when that that's how leaders are, you know, have, that's how cults happen. Yeah. That's how le- huge leaders yeah, happen. Why when strong. people are in touch with a why that they're devoted to that, they're like, I'll fucking die on this hill. People want to follow that because people want a why for themselves. That's like that. And they want to learn how to be that enrolled and committed to something. Mm-hmm. And so when we're in touch with our why we're doing something, people are like way more flexible and willing to be enrolled in our whatever it is we want. Yeah. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and there's also uh, the piece of like feeling the expansion 
of like being away on retreat and also the contraction of the world of like coming back into the realms of density yeah which is like so hard to put words to and describe unless you know exactly what i'm talking about um which is like just feeling like the energetic matter start to exist again um and you're like oh all this stuff is so mattery <laughs> and it doesn't even matter but it's matter and <clears throat> yeah there's just a lot of ways to integrate it and to like it's gonna happen where you probably will start to feel overwhelmed by the physical world again when you feel yeah. so free and expanded and open yeah and to me, it's about the dancing between both polarities. Both polarities. And this is why, like, when you've done enough either meditation retreat or medicine ceremonies, you learn in the early ones, there's this feeling of, like, wow, I could live there all the time. Yeah. You know, and you come back to, like, oh, like, I have to, like, make my bed and go to work. Let's like, make oh. this world like that yeah, one. right. And it's, it, and it's, um, it's actually not possible to live in that that way for a long time so ideas like gives you a glimpse of like what is misaligned in your current life like how you can potentially shift things this whole time you've been talking i've actually been stuck with a question of um you know so easy to talk about like what is aliveness right like oh, i want to feel more alive i want to feel more life force and i'm like trying to say if someone asked me like what how do you define that like what what is that in like a sentence or two and i and i'm i'm thinking it's like it really is just actually being here in the in the present moment um and not going like leaning anytime we're like we're leaning forward or we're leaning backward we're not connected with the full force of the present moment um there's a a scholar his name's christopher wallace he wrote this great book called tantra illuminated it's like mm -hmm. one of the best books on like kind of the history of tantra and the different schools and all this kind of stuff and i, I remember one thing i pulled out of that book is he talked about like that he had like present moment here and then you can go four different directions, past, future, and then positive, negative. So you can go into the past and be either, let's see, nostalgic, which is like um, sort of like looking back at some happy mm -hmm. moment, which feels good, but it's still in the past or regretful. Like, oh, I made that mistake. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones you're like, oh, of course I don't want to be there. Yeah. But nostalgia is also not present moment. And then in the future, you can either be anxious, like fearful of something that's about to happen, um, or um, kind of like anticipatory, anticipatory excited, mm -hmm. um, which is like the positive side of it. But all four of those orientations are like taking you out of right here, right here, right here. So you can live like thinking about the next retreat or the next relationship. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like I have another human being sitting right here. I'm talking to in front of me or my cat or like, you know, splashing water on my face in the morning. Uh, it sounds so cliche, but like it's, it really... Um, I, I catch myself there a lot. I'm like, am I here? Where am I right now? Mm -hmm. Like the Zen teacher has a saying, like no other location. Like his little mantra, no other location. Like where else am I? <laughs> so anyway, that's a long-term inquiry for me. Yeah. Yay. So that's what's up in yeah. our lives. Mm -hmm. That's the, yeah. The, pond we're swimming through right now mm. and yeah i think the like the dance of self and other like a few different polarities here you know the like dark and light the self and other um the down and up you know and like mm -hmm. the the matter like matter and non-matter and soul and personality and like how do you want to not occupy one, just one of these things, but how can right. you dance between them and integrate both of them into the way you move through the world? And, you know, a lot of people go on medicine retreats and stuff and just like come back wanting to be, they've experienced, you know, the astral realm of non-matter or something. And they're like, oh, matter's so dense. I just don't want to be anything to do with matter anymore. Right. And, you know, then they have a psychotic right. episode or they're just like totally ungrounded and floating in a different reality which is fine if that's what they want and it often doesn't create what they want and so it's like okay we're all like little christopher columbuses um in our own psyches and in our own felt experiences and for me when you're talking about like aliveness like what is it how do you know it's happening mm -hmm. i think i would imagine it's different in everyone's bodies right but for me what it feels like is this moment where like i have these eyelids 
but they're open like you know when I'm hanging out in the world and then there's like another set of eyelids and then all of a sudden they'll open and it's the same drastic contrast of having these ones closed or open yeah. and I'm just like holy shit I've had my yeah. fucking eyelids closed yeah. like what was I thinking and and there's also a sense of like my cells like turning up like there's like you know how a plant like faces the sun there's like an awakening of of the cells in my body and I feel it in on like a particle level happening um, when something feels true for me and usually what happens is like you know you get chills or hair goes like hair your hair, hair stands up and there's some kind of thing that I would say a lot of people have that they know is inarguable for themselves yeah. of when something says yeah that's it and we often want to deny it it's like oh I have chills or like oh I sneeze every time someone says something that's like full-on right but then we're like, no, it must have been something in the air. You know, you see it again. You're like, God, there, I can't deny it anymore. Well, especially when that align, uh, that that moment of align, aliveness and like embodiment that you feel is like a little bit potentially taking you a different direction than like what the things doing. your mind has cultivated in your life and your relationships. Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And it will yeah. often scare the shit yeah. out of you. It's often going to yeah. be terrifying. It's often going to be not what you're doing. And so the question is, how can you be listening to aliveness more frequently? Yeah. So the shifts are less drastic. And there's a, a, yeah. And then like a smaller gap. Yeah. Even I, that you have like, to jump. Exactly. Like even, you know, you and I have both done a fair amount of retreating. It's like, that's the difference. Like the first ones are like, whoa, there's this massive difference between retreat ceremony life and like my day to day. And then with time, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not, there's still always going to be a contrast, but it's yeah. not like. A whole, I don't feel like a totally different human being or something like that over there. And I would say yeah. one way to like actually get in touch with aliveness daily is through meditation mm-hmm. and it will come. There's nothing you have to do. It'll just like, this is being alive is something biologically we are oriented towards um, yeah. spiritually on a soul level, emotionally, like our bodies, we, whatever we means want to be alive. And so if you just chill for a second and shut up, It'll happen. Feel you your, being alive yeah. will happen. Just focus on your heart pumping blood through your body. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and when you just take a moment to chill mm-hmm. and sit with yourself, usually the aliveness will just fill you and come through. And that's when you have clarity around things. And sometimes what's in the way between you and aliveness will have to be felt and moved through and integrated first, which is when you first start right. meditating, you sit down and you're just like, oh my God. I feel like bugs are crawling all over me or I feel insane. Like I can't all forget the... that past relationship that didn't work just spins. Yeah. yeah. Or like, I just feel psychotic. Like I sit with right. myself and it's just, blah, 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 and I just can't do it. I need to get up and do something. Um, and in my own experience, if you're willing to sit through that and just constantly come back to awareness, constantly get lost in the chaos, back to awareness, lost in the chaos, back to awareness, lost in the chaos something will the gap even between the chaos and the awareness starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller and all of a sudden you're just aware of the chaos and and in that and it's okay it's okay and then things are just more clear you just know what you have to do and there's people that i experience being so solid in their truth that i would say they don't leave aliveness very often they don't leave the thing that's fueling them or keeping them alive i would say like similar to how different cars need different fuels you know you need gas or diesel Mm -hmm. different people need different lives to stay alive right yeah there's no out there's no outer template that Mm -hmm. like works exactly my argument would be that we all have a soul path that we've chosen or someone chose for us or that is predestined and when we do something outside of that soul path something happens where we start dying because we're actually trying to fill ourselves with diesel when we really need gasoline. And we just really, really yeah. wish we were a diesel truck yeah. and we're not. And I, I love it. Actually, this is such a good point because it's like for, for one person, their, their gasoline is being a monk in the mountains. For another person, it's like raising eight kids in the middle of the city. And, and so this is why like comparative mind just like doesn't work. You can be like, oh, but that person you know, they're doing this and they're so happy. So if I do that, I should be happy. And you might yeah. go ahead and try it and realize you're miserable. And so that's, that is the, 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 you know, one of the gifts of meditation is being able to slow down to feel like, what is it for me? And it's probably not going to look exactly like anybody else's. And that's why it's so, I think I, I think it's a big topic, but like why so many people are unhappy is because we're, we look around and we, 
um, we look out to figure out what to do. So we look at like our friends and our family members and all the stories that have come to us through our generations before us. And then we try to fit into one of those rather than like turn the light around and be like, what is, what is this heart and body need? Um, and that's a big, a big step. And I even, I feel there's always like a, a tension there of like, what does Keith really want and need his, his soul's soul's calling and versus like, what is, what has been imprinted on him by society and family so, or conditioned to want or, con- or conditioned to want. I even think some things I want, you know, and then we've all had this experience. You have, you have it and you're like, fuck, that's not it. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I, this is great. Like I, and I, you know, sure we, it's a good example of aliveness is even our conversation today because you know you shared with me this morning you're like I'm a little bored with our podcast and you know we were talking sorry about, guys we're like what are we going to talk about and and I think when we try to plan something it loses aliveness yeah because we think about okay what do people want to hear or like what you know what will get the most listens and like whenever we do that if they don't have a vibrancy to that it's just like philosophical so, and yeah. like you know structured and I'm like not into yeah. it. And so we record and now we, and then we'll figure out what we're going to call this now that we're wrapping it up. So all right. So that's there. Wait, what workshops, we got workshops coming up. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Not yet. Okay. We have two. uh, I guess we have three things that we were announcing Um, next Friday, February 9th. We have our uh, classic open workshop, our three hour authentic relating meets sexuality. This is kind of our beginner introductory uh, workshop that many of you have probably already gone through. Um, so we'll be doing that. Um, it's basically an authentic yeah. relating games night on the topic of sexuality. But actually, the night before February 8th, I have a community dinner for men. So this is a free offering I have for men in the Boulder community just to come eat food, socialize, have some intentional time together. That is 6.30 to 9, Thursday, February 8th. And then we have our first two-day Tantra workshop. Yeah, on February 17th and 18th. Yeah. And it's going to be a our first time we're ever doing a, a two-day event. And it's going to basically be a deep dive immersion slash training for people wanting to learn more about Tantra and basically the basics and fundamentals of it, as well as how to create their own Tantric practice with self and other. And we're going to be teaching a few other things that will definitely change your life that have nothing to do with Tantra mm-hmm. and integrating it into how we believe it is related to Tantra. Yes, like cliffhanger. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. open men's potluck. Tantra. Tantra. Anything else? I don't think so. We have up. a we have Om coming back in March, and then yeah. another Tantra fest in April. And yeah, let us know. Write us. Tell us what you want. What you want us to. Yeah, you can go to the openinstitute.com or the openinstitute.eventbrite.com yeah. if you want to see some of our upcoming offerings or buy tickets to events. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.